Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go in-depth on Iowa State with the Des Moines Register. It's time time for Cyclone Insider on 1460 KXNO. Hello and welcome to a 2023 edition of the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register here on 106.3 FM and 1460 KXNO. I think for the first time in a month, Randy, we're back to do this show after a... uh, a relatively long layoff of holidays and <laughs> furloughs, corporate uh, <laughs> furloughs. issues, but we're back. We've got a top twenty-five men's basketball team to talk to talk about. Excuse me, a football team with some coaching uh, searches still going on, and I think a relatively positive attitude for the two of us. What do you think? I don't know about that. Yes, yeah, we do. Um, I was I was um, happy to hear you took your four year old daughter to a basketball game last night. That was cool. Or yesterday afternoon. I hope you took her to ice to get what is it you folks love so much? Um, that kind of ice cream out in Beaverdale. What's it called? Beaverdale ice cream. I don't. We don't. Oh go to Beaverdale. come on. Yeah, there is too. What's that place that the the register writes? Are you like talking about st- the Black Cat? Three stories a Black year cat about ice cream. Oh, what's it is? Three stories a year. The ice cream store. Oh, you're talking about Snookies. Snookies. Randy, it's January. Sno- I don't care. The <laughs> ice cream stores are open on the east side. No, we, we had to do with pizza, popcorn, and Skittles. But, uh, oh, and a Tootsie Roll. So we're, we're good to go. We've got the sweets and junk <laughs> <All right>. food <laughs> totally covered. Good. Now now maybe we should cover this Iowa State men's basketball team that improved to 3-0. Are, are, oh. are the new ratings out? I haven't even seen them. Uh, they were 15th in the AP. I don't think we've seen the coaches poll yet, which is what and you and they're I. Like, they're like. It's 17 this morning when I looked at the, at the net. At the net. They're 23rd That's in Ken Palm. Almost a top four seed. Yeah. So Iowa State men's basketball 3-0 and after getting a last second and a half shot from Gabe Kalsher that erases memories of a blown eight-point lead in the last two minutes. Iowa State now 3-0 and in the league. And I think, Randy, I wrote this after the game to your point. I don't think I wouldn't if I had to handicap it. I wouldn't say it's likely that Iowa State gets a top four seed, which right. would allow them a shot at the Des Moines Regional, depending on what happens with the other fifteen top sixteen seeds. But I think it's dare to dream, Iowa State fans. I think it's certainly within the realm of possibility because I've while this team still has flaws that we can talk about, and they still have issues that they need to clean up, and I think they also have some fairly obvious injury concerns that could derail things. But where they sit now, they've played a very difficult schedule from the non-conference through the TCU game on Saturday. And they've come out with just two losses, one to a UConn team, which we knew at the time was underrated. And now we found out UConn might be one of the best teams in the country. And then what is now kind of seeming like an inexplicable, inexplicable loss to Iowa on a team that just got hot one night when Iowa State played poorly but my point is I think Iowa State is for real somewhere in the top 30 range in the country as we sit here in 
early January and maybe in that top 15. I mean, I think it's reasonable to think that they could play themselves into that position. That's kind of the big picture, smaller picture. They're 3-0 and in the Big 12 with two wins on the road. Like, that is – they literally have not been in this position in 23 years. Things are going very, very well for T.J. Otzelberger and the Iowa State men's basketball team. You know, I was thinking before last week's back-to-back road games at OU and then at TCU, I was thinking a split. That'd be cool. That'd be passable. That's winning. That's exactly, you're, you're ahead exactly. of the curve. Yes, that's a, that's a success. That that that's that's so much a success. Yet to go two and zero in those in those games and the way it happened. Um, look at look at OU. Look at, and this is going to lead to my point that I was making with TJ this morning during our press conference. Look at the OU game. Sure, Caleb Grill makes the shot with whatever thirty three seconds to go that breaks a fifty eight all tie that ends up winning the game for Iowa State. But the job Kausher did defensively against um, OU's top score held him to a dozen points below his average. That that doesn't get nearly as noticed. Okay, go to the TCU game where you were. I was at Oklahoma. You were at TCU. Gabe's shot with five seconds to go. I don't know how. One point five. One point five to go. Um, that was that was clearly overshadowed anything else. But there were some, and and I I I videoed or I, I yeah I videoed the the play and sent it to you. I said here if you need this on the inbounds play because technically we're not supposed to post those without. Express written permission, written consent, <laughs> written permission, whatever. But um, so I just texted it to you, and there was there were some nifty plays, nifty screens in there, also to 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 set that play up. So which leads to I asked TJ today. I mean, point blank, who's your best player? And I didn't know whether he was not going to have stroking or or what, but he he paused a long time. That's the thing that this team is writing right now is that it's not a one a one person team a two person team it's everybody yeah is that cliche maybe but it's true um and that's nothing against Brockington from last year that's nothing against Tyrese Hunter from last year this team is playing lights out right now emphasize underline the word the, the phrase lights out because of its no ego approach. Um, and let's not negate the, the fact, the factor that defense is playing in also, but this team is really genuinely fun to watch. And, you know, maybe you and I should start betting um, diet Cokes on, on who's going to be the, 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 top player in each game. I bet we'd come out even. Yeah, I mean, I think I wrote it in my game story on Saturday. They had seven guys with at least six points, four yeah. guys in double figures. <laughs> yeah. And to your Five point— Five guys with, t- with ten or more. Yeah, to your point— Including I, Trey King. You know, you think about how they're doing it, which, you know, you kind of sparked it in my mind, where you go back to T.J. Otzelberger's coaching career. Yeah. You know, when he's an assistant under Greg McDermott, they got Craig Brackens. Right. When he's an assistant under Fred Hoiberg— They've got, you know, George. George Niang, but even before that, DeAndre Kane, right? Um, you know, was probably that team's best player, maybe not most important, or maybe whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got it. You got guys. 
Then you go to South Dakota State, you got Mike Dom. Mm-hmm. You know, UNLV, I know less about that roster because I watched them less, but I think David Jenkins was big for them there. My, my point being is that they're doing this in a way that is probably even a little foreign to their head coach because most basketball teams have a go-to guy. And, like, maybe you can argue, okay, Gabe Kausher and Jaron Holmes and Taman Lipsy or maybe even Oshun Osuna-E e are <laughs> go-to guys in specific spots, but I, I'm not sure – it's certainly atypical of how you have a winning basketball team constructed. Now, certainly, you look at the way that TJ and his staff are recruiting, like they'd rather have NBA guys on their team that you know, okay, this is the go-to yeah. guy, but this is the team they have, and they're finding a way to win. And I think that is obviously commendable. And the through line through all of it the last two years is obviously the defensive end of the floor to be able to turn people over, to be harassing on that end and then figuring it out enough offensively to win basketball games. I think that probably starts to shift. You know, you're, you've you got it dialed in to one direction pretty heavily these last two years. My guess is, is as these high school kids come in that you're seeing the, the staff recruit, it gets dialed back the other way a little bit more, and obviously you have to find a balancing act there to, to find a winning formula, but – you know, certainly an impressive, impressive first year and a half for TJ Otzelberger and the staff, and certainly the the players that are making it happen. You know, here's another factor, Trev, is is that, and I hesitated bringing it up today because I figured TJ may may say, knock on wood, don't even talk about this. But the shoot, the long range shooting. Oh my gosh! You know, last year at this time, I think you and I may have been looking at each other with the same thought that. This team might not ever shoot it very well. Right now, right now, after after three conference games, this team's shooting thirty eight point nine percent from three point range. Um last year, after three conference games, this team was shooting twenty eight percent. That's a huge rise. Um um Grill last year after three conference games or or Gabe, I'm sorry was one for 10. This year, he's seven for 19. Caleb, last year after three conference games, three for 12. This year, he's 11 for 23. Um, is that going to keep up? No, it's not going to keep up. We know that. But it certainly shows that these guys are capable shooters. Um, um, because uh, and that's that's what they that's that's what people needed to see was that yeah this team does have guys who are who are capable uh, who are can stroke that that long shot now like I said it's not going to keep up this year they haven't played at Kansas yet for guys sakes it's, it's not like they've played at any place really intimidating and I don't call TCU intimidating especially uh, an arena that looked like it was three fourths full. And at, at OU, there was there certainly couldn't have been more than two thousand actual people there. They don't care about basketball there, about men's basketball there anymore. I mean, they don't. So those add those factors together. That man, I don't know. That, it, you were you were right on in in, and you came right out of the shoot with it right after the game. That you were right on mentioning at least getting the thought out there, throwing it out there that hey, we've got a regional here in Des Moines, and hey. This team could certainly be there for a change. Yeah, I mean, the, the shooting will be really interesting, I think. I mean, obviously, Gabe and Caleb are shooting it really well right now, and the question is, can they sustain it? Um, both of them have shown the ability to get hot 
throughout their career. Like that's no surprises. But now can you maybe smooth it out a little bit where you're not scorching hot for a week and then ice cold for two? You know, I think you know only time will tell with that. Like obviously they both know how to shoot it. It's just the matter uh, the matter of sustaining it. What I do think is interesting from the three point shooting that differs from last year is that they don't have a lot of guys actually shooting threes. Like last year you had five, six guys that would chuck it. This year you're really seeing it's Holmes, it's Grill, and it's uh, Gabe that are really shooting, and then Jazz Jazz before he got hurt. Those are really the only guys shooting threes. Your point guard, Taman Lipsy, I think has only taken nine threes on the year. Shun's not taking any. Ward's not taking any. Trey King's, I think, only taken one in his four games. So you've really narrowed it down to these are the guys that are going to shoot threes and they're at least going to shoot it at an okay level. I mean, you know, Gabe's still below 30% for the year, but obviously has been shooting the hell out of it lately and in, certainly in the clutch on Saturday. So I think that is a big step forward, even if you can't get that consistency from those guys that you would hope for in the long run. And again, maybe you do, but my point is, let's say worst case scenario for Iowa State, you don't. You've at least limited the damage to what you're you know, middling to bad three-point shooting potentially can be. That's a big step in the right direction. Yeah, and and they're 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 taking good three-point shots. I've I've been a big critic of 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 overpassing, and I still be critic. I still be critical of that, but it seems to work. Um, <laughs> I will still be critical of that. Well, I but, mean, hell, they took good three-point shots last year. They just they just missed them. them. They just clanked them. Yeah, no, exactly. I know. But um, the fact that that Iowa State does have bona fide inside offensive presence in Shun and in Robert Jones. Robert Jones may be a little, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, He's tough to guard in the middle because he's so, and I'm I'm saying saying he's a physical presence, but it's not like he's the most polished player in there either, and I'm not saying that in a bad, yeah, bad way. Yeah, it's not graceful, but he ain't trying to be. Yeah, that's yes, yeah. yes. Thank you. Yeah, it's exactly where I was going with that. Yes, and it's not a bad thing. So, so the opponents now that Iowa State has, has shown that they can score from the, from distance, and they have obviously proven they can score in inside. And with Trey King coming coming onto the scene, by the way, he can play inside, he can play outside. Um, this team is 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 even becoming harder um, to defend now. Should they win? Should they beat who? Who they play? Texas Tech at home on on Tuesday or on Tuesday? Of course, of course they should. Texas Tech's not won a, a Big Twelve road game or a Big Twelve game, I don't think. Um, but you don't think they're not using that as motivation? Sure, they are. Um, now, and then they go to Kansas. They've not played there, dude. Taman Lipsy's not played in a situation like that. Iowa. Yeah. Okay. I give you Iowa. Was it, was it a Carver Hawkeye arena was pretty lit up that night, whatever night that was in December. That ain't nothing compared to what it's going to be in, uh, at Allen Fieldhouse at whatever, three o'clock on Saturday. We're talking Iowa State men's basketball here on the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register here on 106.3 FM and 1460 KXNO. And full disclosure, we're recording this Monday afternoon, so we're not really going to talk about the Iowa State women's team uh, that fell Sunday at Oklahoma because we're all awaiting news on Stephanie Suarez, who suffered a knee injury Sunday afternoon that uh, you know Coach Bill Fennelly said after the game 
uh, did not look to be a promising diagnosis. So we're going to wait for that to come out. Then we'll have Tommy Birch on the show probably next week to talk some Iowa State women's basketball. But certainly plenty to talk about on the men's side with what Iowa State's doing. You mentioned Texas Tech tomorrow night. That, to me, almost feels like a trap game because I still think Texas Tech is still probably really good and they're still going to be tough as nails under Mark Adams. And then you've got the game Saturday at Allen Fieldhouse that's looming pretty large. I mean, we haven't – you know, we've certainly receded from that Iowa State-Kansas rivalry. I'm going to call it a rivalry that, you know, really got going with Fred Hoiberg at Iowa State and they would win some home games – they had really competitive games. Steve Prohm was actually the one that got the win down in Allen Fieldhouse. Fred never did, but it felt like the gap, you know, obviously between those two programs got pretty wide there. And then Kansas wins a national title last year, by the way. So I don't know that we could <laughs> call this a rivalry, but certainly as somebody who covers Iowa State and is surrounded by Iowa State fans and then saw this matchup between these two programs, both playing at a high level. That's good for the Big 12. When you talk about Texas Tech or Texas and Oklahoma leaving, if you can have a robust, competitive, nasty, kind of angry rivalry, matchup, series, whatever you want to call it, between Iowa State and Kansas, I think that's really good for college basketball at large, and certainly it's going to be great for the Big 12 uh, going forward. And you know, if you can get a matchup of undefeated teams in the league, a top 15 matchup on Saturday, even if the game is buried on ESPN+. Plus. Oh. That, that that would be a good yeah. start to a potential rekindling of this series getting uh, back to where I think it was at its most fervent. Maybe, you know, I can only speak to the last 10 years. You can speak to when it was, you know, just another gym under, you know, Larry Eustachy and right. Jamal Tinsley. But, you know, from what I had seen it back, I'm thinking like that 14, 15, where it was really – really cracking there for a while that, that things were if, – if it could get back to there, I think that's good for Iowa State and it's good for the Big 12, maybe not good for Kansas because they would prefer just to roll everybody over. Well, yeah, of course. Um, <clears throat> I want to go back to Kansas <clears throat> and Iowa State, the, the rivalry. Um, I think it's a tremendous rivalry. And I think, I think you can call the two natural rivals. Because I mean, although you and I have both heard that if the if the Big Twelve ever puts out a schedule for two thousand and twenty three, um, watch that'll be released as soon as we get done taping. But um, we've both heard that that BYU and Iowa State will be home and home every year. Um, that's fine. Somebody has to be, but I'm sure Kansas will be also. I mean, and so and so that. That rivalry will continue. They, they both care continue. a lot about basketball. They're three and a half hours oh my apart. God, There's yes. a long history. I mean, obviously, it's hard to call a rivalry when one program has, you know, what, five national championships, won 15 straight Big 12 titles. But, like, man, like, it makes sense if they're both good that that's going to be good for the league and good basketball going forward, right? Like, that's the bottom line. Like, well, whether, whether Kansas wants to call it a rivalry or not, if it's competitive series between those two, that's good for everybody. And last year, let's face it, Iowa State should have won, could have won down there. I mean, and even, I think even the, the official that missed the goaltending call admitted that at some point later in the season. So, yeah, I mean, but stuff happens. Don't get me wrong. Stuff happens. We've, we've seen it. Um, I, yeah, but I don't, I don't think Iowa State players are putting that Kansas game before the, Texas Tech game in their minds, and TJ's done a great job 
of of keeping the focus on on the present. So um, I think I think this 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 is another interesting week where against the team they sh- should beat and against the team probably their toughest opponent on the road. Yeah, Iowa State, Texas Tech, Saturday, 7 o'clock at Hilton Coliseum. I think that game will probably be incredibly competitive. And like Randy, you mentioned, it's another big oh, yeah. week for Iowa State men's basketball. Point to me a week that ain't going to be big. Like oh, this, I know, exactly. Yeah. This league yeah. is an absolute monster. You look at what Kansas State and Jerome Tang are doing. Right. That elevates the profile and the level of difficulty in the league and We know Hugs will get it going at some point. Exactly. You know? And like that's not going to be a fun game for whoever plays West Virginia. God, so whether no. or not they go – you know, whatever they're going to go, they're going to be a tough out every night. So I do think. Let's not forget Missouri's in there too, someplace, but that's almost like a ho hum. Yeah. And like, but you know, Dennis Missouri. Gates is having a great yeah. start to his career down in Missouri to right. where I was listening to a national podcast on Saturday and his name got tossed out as a potential like second or third tier candidate for the Texas job, which we haven't even talked about that. It's just uh, another uh, meat grinder of a year in the Big 12 and it continues for Iowa State. This week, Texas Tech at home Saturday or Tuesday, excuse me, at number what at defending champion defending Kansas champion. on Saturday. When we come back on the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register on 106.3 FM and fourteen sixty KXNO, we'll talk about the changes undergoing in Matt Campbell's coaching room. Everything you need to know about Iowa State. It's Cyclone Insider with the Des Moines Register on fourteen sixty KXNO. Welcome back to the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register here on 106.3 FM and 1460 KXNL. Randy Peterson and Travis Hines here to talk all things Iowa State. If you missed the first segment, we talked about the 3-0 Iowa State men's basketball team start to the Big 12 schedule and what may come next from here until March where, like I said before, dare to dream of a spot in Des Moines. We're going to shift gears now to the football program where there has been one new hire since our last taping over a month ago with Ryan Clanton coming over from Northern Iowa to coach the offensive line. That leaves one more hire left on the offensive side of the ball for Matt Campbell. They also have a defensive hire that they can make after Matt Capone, uh, this cornerbacks coach, left for North Texas to be the defensive coordinator there. Randy, let's stay over on the offensive side of the ball because that's obviously the most pressing concern uh, for Iowa State after finishing last in the Big 12 in basically every single offensive category, firing Tom Manning and Jeff Myers, and then having Joel Gordon leave the quarterback's coach. We know Clanton is going to coach the offensive line. We know that Nate Shieldhouse is going to coach the or be the offensive coordinator and is expected to continue – to coach wide receivers. I think we both are under the impression that Taylor Mauser stays on at tight ends where he has had success in that position has had a lot of success. So that leaves running backs and coordinator or quarterbacks for Iowa state to find a coach. Do you think it's more likely that the next person that they hire is a quarterback running backs coach or that we see some more shifting of responsibilities? And what would you do if you were Nate Shieldhouse and or Matt Campbell? That's wow! What went? Um, I threw a lot at you there, but I think you can handle it. You did. I think every team needs a quarterback coach. So I mean, I think, I think that, and Shieldhouse having been a quarterback, Shieldhouse having run the kind of offense at Illinois that that is in vogue now, 
the run pass option stuff. I would it would not shock me to see Shieldhouse end up being offensive coordinator in charge of passing game, which which encompasses wide receivers and quarterback, obviously, and then have a special assistant or grad assistant or somebody um, be in charge, not in charge of, but oversee, oversee some of the receiver responsibilities. Now, unless they, Iowa State would promote Jake Waters, who's been on staff, who's on staff, or Kyle Kemp, who's probably Iowa State fans better know Kyle Kemp, obviously, because of what he did against that o, in that OU game, to quarterbacks coach. Um, are they ready to do that? Are they ready uh, to go from whatever they were, special assistant, grad assistants, whatever they were? Some nebulous uh, yes, yeah, title exactly. within the are they ready vast to, morass of a college football right, coaching yeah. staff. Are they ready to do that? I don't know. That's that's Campbell's thing, but as far as as far as the offensive line c- coach, I don't know Ryan Clanton. I've, I know what he did. I'm familiar with what he did. I know people that know him, and there was somebody that was telling me, "My gosh, I don't know whether you were there too in an airport at some point during the season that 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 was the move that could happen, um, and it did." He's got two guys in the pros the last two years. I think both of them are Iowa. I know both of them are Iowans. And that that's another thing. Why the heck? The state of Iowa, it turns out, all kinds of, of, of football players these days, offensive line, linemen. Why can't Iowa State get any of those dudes? Okay, they got Trevor Downing. Okay. Who, I don't know whether he'll be drafted. I don't know whether Iowa State will have anybody other than, than um, and this is, could cause problems here, other than than um, Xavier Hutchinson drafted, I yeah. Will McDonald is going to be drafted. I don't know. I'm not. I don't know. He didn't have a great year. I don't know. I suspect he will. I suspect he will. But certainly, um, it's not going to be as high as what he might have been after coming out. But last year. But anyway, we're talking about the offense here. I think that hey, we've got till April to talk about draft spots. Yeah, I know. When we got to freaking August to talk about football too. But <laughs> fair fair point. <laughs> but um um especially when you got final four basketball team to cover. Kidding. But um yeah, I, I, I'm I'm curious to see what's what's gonna happen here shortly. The Iowa State's um human relate human relation human resources departments back to work after a break. Um, you know, which uh, uh, which is school wide. So I think we'll see some action at, at some point, and I would not doubt. I would not doubt if Campbell already has an offensive or has some kind of quarterback coach, something on campus already. Whether that's whether that's um, Shieldhouse or whether that's somebody else from outside the program, inside the program, I don't know. Um, but uh, and you know, you and I are the. We talked about this again this morning. Wouldn't you love to talk to Nate Shieldhouse right now? That would that would be a good person. Wouldn't you love or, to talk to Matt Campbell Matt right now? Campbell or Ryan Clanton? Yeah, or no, Ryan Clanton. No, right none now? of whom have spoken to the press since uh, <laughs> any of this happened. But since uh, I don't know when. Yeah, I mean, I'm, with they Ryan Clanton, yeah, which whatever, I don't not a big don't fan care. of us either. Uh, with Ryan Clanton, I think you know, obviously, I'm not going to pretend to have like a great power ranking of offensive line coaches throughout the country, but I think to your point, you look at what the guy has done in terms of developing an offensive line and you an offensive line coach doesn't do that by himself it's a strength and conditioning it's you know the evaluation period in high school 
Uh, but certainly you let the the results speak for themselves. And when, as you have pointed out many times, to not have a player drafted from the offensive line since 2013, that's just a problem. Like no matter how you can explain it away or whatever prism you want to look at it, that's just a problem if you're trying to build a sustainably successful football team and offense. So to get somebody in that has a track record of doing that, I think is huge. And to your point, for them to be able to target Iowans, I think is probably smart because it's it's really hard to. I mean, look, just look at what happened to to Iowa. They had an in-state Iowa guy commit to them and then flip to Alabama. Like it's really hard. It's the second time Iowa's had an yeah, offensive like, lineman flip. Just, it's really Ross hard. Pierce to, Brocker from Cedar Falls being it's the really first. hard to get those high mm. level recruits, even if they're Iowans, to commit to programs like Iowa and Iowa State and then stay committed. It's just the nature of the beast. So to get somebody that has a track record of you know taking guys that maybe aren't of the highest profile that you know, would presumably want to come to Iowa State, you know, at, in their hometown or in their home region, I think is is a big deal. And you know, I wrote this when you know Clanton got hired, and when you look back to when Myers got fired, like the offensive line is priority number one to fix. Like that has to be better. So than you've got bad. a starting quarterback already in mind. I mean, I. I am under the presumption it's going to be Hunter Deckers yeah. until I see differently. But like I've said before, I think it makes a lot of sense to make that more of an open competition. And, you know, we saw in the TCU game, you know, Deckers leave with an injury. You know, I had said for a while, I thought it would have made sense. Would have been the, the week before when they were struggling and Deckers threw three interceptions. I can't remember now. I've switched to basketball um, in my memory bank, which is limited. Uh, that it would have made sense to go to Rocco Beck just to signal that this was going to be an open competition. Yeah. And maybe that would have happened in TCU where they were getting blown out. But obviously when Deckers gets hurt, you don't have a choice to do that. Um, but we'll see. I mean, they obviously haven't brought in a transfer quarterback that we think would compete. So, you know, we'll see. But, I mean, new offensive But you're right. The offensive line is the A number one Yeah, priority. even even like if it's the Hunter Deckers over. or if it's yeah. Rocco Beck or if it's J.J. Cole or if it's somebody we've never heard of, right. it's – only going to make a limited amount of difference if the offensive line Correct. doesn't take steps forward and even beyond this year. I mean, I think you've got to look into the future that if you're going to be, again, sustainably good, you've got to have that offensive line figured out. We'll see if Ryan Clanton's the guy to do it. We'll see if Nate Shieldhouse is the guy to bring this offense you know, back to where it was and potentially the next level. But you know, only time will tell, and I think we've got a lot to talk about, a lot to ask and a lot to think about regarding Iowa State football this off season, you know, have with them coming off you know, really two disappointing seasons in a in a row, obviously for different reasons in each of them. But plenty to talk about, plenty of time to do it. Just not today. We're out. This has been the Cyclone <laughs> Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register on 106.3 FM and fourteen sixty KXNO. Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.